potentially a fairly uh, known, well-known story, at least I hope it is on some level for you. I have a very simple and very direct message. It's one that you will not be surprised to hear on Easter Sunday morning. That message is that Jesus has risen. This message has two simple points, two points and two points only. First point is Jesus' body was really buried. Point number two, he really did come back from the dead. It doesn't get any more complicated than that. That's as simple as it's going to be. And I have two very simple reasons to share this with you. The first one, I hope it becomes obvious to you if you've heard me preach more than once or twice. That's what the Bible says. So that's what we're going to just tell you what Luke, Luke wrote that down. That's what he wrote. And I happen to believe the Bible. I believe my job is to simply honestly, faithfully, and as clear as I possibly can, show you what it says. So that's what we're going to do. But the first, that's the first reason. But the second reason, I want you to hear this, is the fact that he was buried and the fact that he came back alive. This is not only true, it is true, but it matters. It matters. That's what I want you to hear. We'll take some time right now just to look at what the passage says. If you kind of step back and listen to what Luke is saying, that's what he's trying to do. There's this man, he says, Behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and just. So he says, Listen, there's a man named Joseph who comes along as a good man. Now, it's an important little nuance here that you may not have picked up on that word counselor. He's a counselor. He is actually a member of of the Sanhedrin. He is one of the folks who has been on that or was at least part of that body who took Jesus and found him guilty of blasphemy and said, let's take him over to Pilate. He is part of that body. But look what it says in verse 51. The same, talking to Jesus, had not consented to the council and deed of them. So here's a man who was on so he didn't have to vote go on the record, I don't know. And just kept his mouth quiet. Or he might have been that one lone voice and nobody wanted to hear. I don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us, but we do know he was part of this and he did choose not to, to go along with them. But it's apparent, or at least it seems as if he may have been either a secret follower of Jesus or just a quiet follower, at least up to this point. Because it says there in verse 51, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. So he's heard Jesus is preaching all this time. He's waiting for what Jesus has been promising. So he's on board with what Jesus is preaching. And when he gets a chance, he doesn't jump on the bandwagon with everybody else and try to condemn Jesus. He's against that. But who are, but so, so we have this man, Joseph, and this guy goes in verse 52, and he begged the body of Jesus. So he goes and asks, for the body of Jesus. But I think also clearly this guy's got some pull because he's on the sand. You'll see there in verse 53 that Joseph takes the body down, but Pilate is agreeing to this, and he does this. He hands over what Pilate believes is a dead body. He's not going to take someone who has been guilty or is standing in the place of a man who's guilty of insurrection. He's not going to take somebody who's going to cause the problems with people. He's not going to allow him to walk out if he's not dead. Do you understand that? You see how Matthew Wright emphasizing this. So 
And then go to verse 53. Joseph takes the body down, he wraps it in linen, and laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone, wherein no never man was, was before laid. Excuse me, let me say that again. Wherein never man before was laid. Jesus was buried in a new, unused tomb. This is what, what's going on here. Uh, Matthew tells us in Matthew 27, I think it's uh, right there, Matthew 27, verse 60, that it was Joseph's tomb. So this was actually this man's tomb that he's using here. But it was a new, un, uh, a new unused tomb. This is important. Normally, you had people being crucified, and they would take those bodies down and throw them over into a mass grave. They would put them somewhere that if I was going to find my loved one, I might have a hard time finding them. And if I did, I'd have to sort through the bodies to find the person I was looking for. They, they was not a, it was not a mass, unmarked, unknown grave. You see that? He's going to a place. This man, Joseph, was probably a man who had a few dollars. He had some money. He had enough money to make his own grave. He had enough money to be a man who had some pull with the government. I mean, this is the guy who's got a, he, you know where Joseph's tomb is. You know what I'm saying? You're not trying to guess where Joseph's tomb is. They knew. The point was, the point of telling you this is, that if someone had been in that time and they would have said, well, Jesus was buried in Joseph's tomb, they would have been able to get the GPS coordinates. They would have said, yep, there it is. It's right there. We know where it is. So how was he buried? Verse 54. That day was the preparation and the Sabbath drew on. Point to tell you this quickly is that Jesus was buried rather quickly. It was done rather quickly. The Sabbath was here. This was likely, and there are lots of opinions on this, so I'm not, don't, don't, don't get mad at me and throw tomatoes if you disagree with me, but I believe this was likely uh, the high holy Sabbath that would have been on Friday, so sundown Thursday, and the uh, sundown the next day. That's probably the, the Sabbath they're looking at. It is most likely either Wednesday or Thursday, I believe Thursday. But again, I know good people believe Wednesday, some people believe Friday. I, I understand that. We all have, we can be friends, we can be brothers, and disagree on the details here. But I will say, I believe it was Thursday that he was was dead on the cross, and they took him down on the 14th, the 14th day of Nisan, if I'm not saying that correctly, they took him down, and they buried him, but the reason that they've got to, because these are observant Jews here, they're going to take his body down, and they're going to try to bury it, and they've got to do so before the Sabbath comes along, and Jesus has already been on the cross, you remember this, this was around noontime for three hours, so we're getting close to the end of the day at this point. And so they're thinking, let's get this thing moving so we can get him buried in an appropriate amount of time. But then they, when they do this, even though they're doing it quickly, they're doing it in a respectful manner. You see in verse 53 uh, that, um, that he was wrapped in linen, he's laid in the sepulcher, so they're, they're treating his body with care. And then you go down to verse 56, uh, that they're preparing spices and ointments, uh, and, and, they, and of course they're rested, but they're preparing spices and ointments. They're preserving his body as best they can. And then it says they rested the Sabbath according to the commandment. But they were still, all that said, they were able to do everything and still observe the Sabbath. Okay? You following that so far? 
So there, Jesus is buried according to the law, according to tradition. Now, how do we know all this is, is the case? Well, we got Joseph. Remember this? He's the one who asked for the body. He went to Pilate. Pilate said, yes, here's the body. And then we've got two more witnesses, or at least two, two, at least two witnesses, because it uses in verse 55, plural, the women also, which came with him from Galilee. These are the same women which saw him crucified. We go back to verse 49. You see his acquaintances and the women that followed him from Galilee. Again, you may be sitting there that this was not, with Jesus, Jesus not being in the tomb later was not a case of mistaken identity. There are some people who would su suggest either that they, they went to their home tomb. Jesus was actually buried over there. That's not the case. They knew exactly where they were going. This was very clear. This is not a case of misdiagnosis that maybe they thought he was dead, but he wasn't really dead. He was maybe just asleep or knocked out or something like that. I think that's not only ignorant, but it's actually arrogant as well because we're assuming that ancient people didn't know what dead people looked like. And the fact is they knew exactly what they were looking at. They knew what they were looking at. These people did not mistake his identity. They did not misdiagnose him. They understood exactly where he was and that these, this is Luke accounting for us. There's at least four people, at least four people, and I'm just giving you the minimum, at least four people that knew that he was buried there. He was buried. They saw his body be buried. They participated in the burial. So the first point I told you, simple point, Jesus was really buried. That's what the Bible tells us. He was really buried. But then the second point I want to get across to you is that he really came back to the back to life. He came back from the grave. It's interesting if you go to chapter 24, and this will be the last bit of our time in verses 1 through 12. Luke doesn't smooth out this story. He doesn't clean up the details for us. You know what he does? Exactly what you and I do when we're telling somebody a story. We just tell the facts. We just tell this is what happened. You know, we don't have an agenda. Now, sometimes you don't have an agenda and you lie about things. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you just tell it, you saw something happen and you're sharing the information. He's not smoothing this out. In fact, he leaves in some unflattering details. Now, y'all ladies are going to be upset with me when I tell you this one unflattering detail, but I'm just telling you like it is, so forgive me. But one of the unflattering details is that the primary witnesses to this resurrection are women. Now, I'm telling you that is an unflattering detail. In 2023, that's not a bad thing. That's a fine thing. We listen to men. He doesn't put a man on a different pedestal. I believe certainly we have different roles, but nonetheless, he values us all same way. That's a sign. There's also in verse 11 you see that when those women do share the story of the, the resurrection, you know what the disciples' response is? Y'all are crazy. That's their response. You mean he's alive? What are you talking about? They don't believe. Again, if you want to set your set the story in a way that you know makes the disciples look like they're just sort of some kind of saints or something, you're going to tell like, oh yeah, Peter's like, yes, of course, this is exactly what he promised. No, that they don't believe it. This in history and all this other stuff. So how do we know what the what the um, what the angel said that he is not here, he is risen? Well, first of all, there's evidence in verses one through six. Go to verse 1 in chapter 24. 
Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulchre, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulchre. Now please understand, these women are doing what would have been a natural, normal thing to do for somebody you cared about that has passed away. They're coming to take care of the body. They're coming to make sure that that body, somebody they cared about, was taken care of. They are, can I put it to you bluntly, they're expecting a dead body. Understand that. And when they get there, the stone is rolled away. Now, this might have been a little bit of an odd thing, but don't forget, they're coming to take care of this dead out. Good King James English that says, they're kind of upset about this. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going on here. They're, they're, they're perplexed. They're worried about this. And can you imagine, who would they do if it was your friend, your brother, your husband, your wife, your child, or your parent, and you're going to go visit that, and they're not there? Who's messing with the body? Something's going on. They're perplexed about this. And then as they're concerned about it, they're visited by, the way Luke talks about it, is men that stood in shining garments. I don't know what they would have thought about these. The other Gospels tell us that these are angels. But I, don't, well, I can't imagine what these, uh, these women, uh, Mary and jo Joanna and Mary, would have thought of these men. But nonetheless, that's what they saw, these men in shining garments. And they're told, in verse, verse 5, they bow their faces and, say, and, they, and the angel of these men tell them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. So the evidence is, they go, and he's not there. So clearly he's gone. There's some unusual men around the tomb, and they say, he's not here, he's risen. So there's evidence that the naked eye says, he must be gone. But then they remind him, these men, these unusual men, remind the women in verse 6, remember how he spake unto you, when he was not yet in Galilee, or when he was yet in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men to be crucified, and the third day rise again. Now, Jesus did tell them, this is in Luke chapter 18, Jesus did tell them, I'm going to die, I'm going to suffer in, at, at the hands of any evil men, and I'm going to be raised for the third day. He says this to them. This is something he tells them. And I want y'all to know this about Jesus. If he makes a promise, he delivers on his promise. And it shouldn't have been a surprise. It shouldn't be a surprise to me or you. It shouldn't have been a surprise that when he said, I'm going to die and come back the third day, that they should have said, well, Jesus said it. Let's, what, he just going to do what he said. So he was going to do this, and he came back to life. You have to come to this conclusion that Jesus is either the biggest liar that ever lived, or he is absolutely the Lord of all creation, and he came back to life. One of the two. If, 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 if he didn't come back to life, he is not a good man. He is not a good teacher. He's not somebody to be admired. You know what he was? He was an arrogant fool. If he came back to life, he just does what he says, and he's worth listening to. He's worth worshiping. So these, these women, when they heard that, they said, oh yeah, I remember. And they said, yeah, he said it. And then they went and told everybody about it. 
And then we have these witnesses in verses 10, 11, and 12. In verse 10, I've referenced this a few times, but you have Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, and the other and another and other women that were with them. So you've got now four people here, and I believe these are these are the women that are mentioned in verses uh, 55 and 56. But these four women, and they're telling all the apostles all the things that happened. And these women are essentially telling what they saw. You have to take them at their word. They saw this. This is the message. They were the, the, they were the eyewitnesses of it. And we're still proclaiming their message now 2,000 years later. Laid by the, 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 the wrap, the linen wrap around the man. Remember what uh, Joseph did? He put that linen around the body. And what's left in the grave is these clothes. And if somebody had just moved the body, let's just be logical about this. If somebody had just moved the body, which is something some skeptics would claim, why would you leave this? Why would you go to the trouble to take the clothes off of a dead body and leave them there? Why would you do that? If you're just trying to move the body, I mean, I guess, I guess you know, stranger things have happened, but it's not a logical thing. It's not what naturally would have happened. So this empty, empty tomb is nothing. So here's what I want to close with. Is I want you to know, I want you to decide what you're going to do with this. You have to believe something about this. If you pay attention to the History Channel about this time of year, you're going to get plenty of skeptics. I think he's alive. If you're doing what we do around here, worshiping God every Sunday, celebrating the resurrection on Easter, we're lying about God. It's blasphemy. He says, we are found false witnesses of God. And that's bad, but it gets worse. If Jesus wasn't buried and didn't come back to life, then every one of us are still responsible for our sin. Every sin you've ever committed, it's on you, ma'am. It's on you, sir. It is your responsibility to carry it. The way he writes it in 1 Corinthians 15, ye are yet in your sins. And if Jesus didn't die and he didn't come back to life, then every loved one that you've ever buried, whether it is a husband or a wife, whether it is a child or a parent, whether it's a friend, a friend, doesn't matter who it is, doesn't matter what their testimony in this life was, doesn't matter what they said they believed, if Jesus was not buried and he did not come back to life, then all of our loved ones are in hell right now. He says, they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. And if that's not enough to get you going a little bit, if Jesus didn't die and he was not resurrected, then everything in this world is hopeless and we're pitiful. We're laughable for even thinking like we think. He says it this way in verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. But, just want to make sure you're thinking about what the implications of saying it's not true are. But I believe it's true. I hope you're with me on that. If you believe it's true, then this church matters. This, what we preach here matters. The God that we worship, we worship in spirit and in truth. That, 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 
my sin, your sin, have been forgiven in Jesus. Everything you've ever done, as much as you're ashamed of it, as much as you carry it around, you don't have to. You can throw it on him because it was buried. And we have hope in the future. Because in the future, he is going to conquer death and pain itself. I'm just going to read you one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Revelation 21, verses 4 and 5. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death.